to episode 4 of Out of Game. In today's episode, we'll introduce a brand new segment, give you our take on werewolf strategies, and preview the soon-to-be kickstarted social deduction game, Witch Hunt. This is your host, Ryan. Join me and Chris as we go Out of Game. Welcome to episode four of Out of Game. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some feedback we got from last episode. It's always the first agenda item. So again, we appreciate the feedback. So we had Mo on Twitter. I think this is the one I really wanted to discuss. He was saying that uh, he's not sure if he agrees about other players' actions being considered a randomness. This is something that you brought up, Chris. Yeah. So I was hoping you could maybe give us a little more detail about your thoughts on this. Yeah, and if it's one thing I've learned is that when somebody has feedback, I think a lot of people probably are thinking the same thing. You know, one feedback probably represents a lot of people in the, uh, that uh, might feel the same way and just haven't voiced it. So it's very hard to explain this. We've, we've had this off, off topic, too. We've talked about this on game nights and here and there. Uh, it's complicated, but I'll try to give it a shot. So randomness and luck, bad luck, good luck, fortune, all these things represent some sort of unpredictability and games wouldn't be games without them. So there's always going to be some element of uh, luck or something happening that you have no control over that affects the game positively or negatively. And we use the example of chess all the time because it's like the, probably the oldest game on the planet, (laughs) you know, cavemen played it and uh, it's kind of seen worldwide as a, it's a universally known game. There's no dice, there's no cards, and so it tends to be looked at as the least random in that sense, meaning you can see the board, I can see what moves you have at your disposal, you can see mine, we both know the game so we know what the good moves are. There's not a lot of hidden variables there. And a lot of the games that we play these days, especially with the more complex they get, you get varying elements of unpredictability, and that's not a bad thing. We can't think of randomness and luck as being bad. It almost makes it seem bad the way we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, that game's too random for me, or it's there's too much dice. You know, you, you hear these things, and it's, it's, it's almost derogatory sounding. <laughs> and that's not how I meant, that's not at least how I mean it. For me, personally, I have my own tastes in where I like to fall on that spectrum of luck versus skill. But it, it doesn't mean that it's bad to, to have a randomness in a game. So I just want to be clear about that part. Luck is not bad. Random is not bad. It's just not for everybody. That's all. So about other players' actions being quote-unquote random, which comes back to the the, the question by uh, Mo, wanting some clarification there. So the best way to explain it is by using examples. So again, I I don't know what the best... I don't know what the best way to, to, I don't know what games people know. So Seven Wonders is one that I brought up last time where it's a draft. You're, you're doing basically a booster draft of cards and building your civilization with the cards that are there. You pick one, pass it, and so on. And if I'm going for a strategy built on war where you have the military cards uh, because, you know, the people next to me are vulnerable and maybe I've got a, an, a, 
what what is the expansion with the leaders? The leaders. My leader maybe is warlike, so I want to use that. But two people down, you've got uh, I don't know Nathan and and Dave are also drafting military and they pass. So I'm not getting military. That's kind of an example of my strategy being derailed by something unpredictable. Military isn't a popular thing to do, so that's not a likely thing to happen. And even if they do draw military cards, I still have the opportunity to get some. They're not going to take all of them. There's plenty to go around. But it will affect me. Guaranteed it will affect me. And I will have to make an adjustment. Again, adjustment's part of the game. There's not only one way to win this game. There's many ways to win. But it's an unforeseen circumstance that's affecting me. The the big point here is how much does that element affect the game? Okay. And in some games, it's greater than others. In the example I just used, it's really not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. you know. So they draft some of the military cards, and maybe I don't get as much as I want. There's plenty of other good cards in there that I can splash in around my military theme. So it's not going to really affect me that much, although it will affect me a little bit. Some other games, it's more devastating. You use use uh, like Magic, if anybody's played Magic the card game. Uh, when you have a land problem early on and you, you just can't play the cards in your hand because you haven't drawn land. That's not necessarily something somebody else did, but it's a random element that's affected me in a devastating way. Uh, Kalis with the uh, Provost. Mm-hmm. If people are getting a little trippy, taking the good stuff toward the end of the path, um, they might get screwed by somebody buying the Provost back or, you know... Okay. Using their turn on it. That's a little bit predictable, though, because you can see that. Right. But I've had it happen where somebody doesn't have anything else to do on their turn. So they want to cause a little trouble and, like, maybe take out a couple people there, which is going to help them. So it's not a bad thing, but I can't predict that they were going to do that. Likewise, if Tim is getting all the stone, and I really needed stone that turn, but I don't know what his plan is. I don't know why he needs the stone. Right. He's gonna he's planning building something stone related in his mind. I have no way of knowing that. So he goes after the stone three turns in a row. I'm not getting my stone. I've just been randomized out of getting my stone essentially because I his turn is before mine, and he's I have no way of knowing that he's gonna do that. Okay. So those are some examples. Okay, so you're equating randomness with predictability, which I guess those it's are really predictable synonyms in some ways. But so I think the example that I wanted you to explain and I was how chess is not considered random because everything another player does affects you. Right, but the goal there is to checkmate your opponent. The goal in Kalis is a thousand different things. Okay. And some of the other games that we play, Seven Wonders, there's there's so many different things you can do. I have no way of knowing what you're thinking in Kalis. Okay. Uh, Caverna. Caverna, even worse. I, I have a 2% chance of knowing what you're doing. In chess, I, I know exactly what you want to do. Right. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know what your goal is. So that's really the difference. Okay. And I think just thinking of predictability with chess, you can predict what moves they can make, for example, because you could see their different pieces and where they can move. Mm-hmm. Now, in a game like Kalis, I do think you can, you could predict, in some cases, the, the probability that someone would, would put the Provost next to you. Yeah, that's you true. know, if you look at them and they have no money, then they're not going to put the guy next to you. But if they've got a little extra money, 
you know, there's a higher chance that they would do it. I agree. And I think the the stone example might be worse. Uh, worse meaning harder to predict. Right, because you have no idea thinking. what he's thinking. Right. But then again, that doesn't really derail my game completely either. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it ruins the game for me. Right. So I think, you know, in a lot of these European games, the the predictability level, I don't think it's that high. I, Do you remember, what was that game that you had us play? It was like four or five nights ago. And you, you were really uh, high on it. It was the one when Tim got upset with you. <laughs> Spirium. Yeah. <laughs> that game has a lot of this. That's the same designer as Kalos, actually. Well... William in Atia. that game, there were so many times when somebody else took a spot that I wanted, and I had no way of knowing they were going to do that. And there was a way to end the turn also in that game, and that would happen before I could build my money the way I wanted to. And think there, there was a lot of, okay. I'll use the word unpredictability, even though, granted, it was our first time playing it. But even you know, sitting back afterward and looking at it, I couldn't figure out how I would know what you're thinking in your mind to make that happen mm-hmm. and it really affected the game so do you like games where everything is visible everything is you could predict every single thing do you like games like that or do you like a little element of my number one game right now is psych ladies oh. so that should answer oh it that. jumped up your list yeah you can see everything on the board number one higher than like uh D or role number one last time well, you had role playing and magic as one and two, and then you had yeah, one but I night got, we- werewolf. I got in trouble for not picking board games <laughs> and that. You had Cyclades in there somewhere. What did you call it? Cyclades. Cyclades. What's that? Is that a new version of it? <laughs> That's the version on Board Game Geek. I don't know what version you're talking about. Okay. Well, I would say Cyclades is represents the game I like the most because you can see everything. There's a lot of strategy. There is luck involved because there's dice. You don't know what your opponents are doing necessarily, but you can kind of see everything there. I love that game. Okay. That's a, that's a, I don't want to say it's the perfect game, but it, it's very, very balanced. Okay. So, Mo, we, we hope that answers your question. Uh, I could probably talk to Chris about this for an hour and maybe never completely agree with him. Well, it's not that. Again, I don't want to say that the, these random elements are bad. It's I don't. Not, I don't think anyone like, thinks that. I think they just. I. I personally, when you first told me this, I just didn't understand it. Like, if you asked nine out of ten, honestly, if you asked nine point nine out of ten people <laughs> who have played Kalos, if Kalos has randomness in it, I guarantee nine point nine out of ten of them would say no. I agree with you, but I think after I explain it. 8.8 of them would understand what I'm saying. <laughs> so I think for those, what, 1.1 of us, we need we need further explanation. So, okay, well, anyway, hope that answers your question, Mo. If not, hit me up on Twitter again, and maybe we can uh, sort it out there. Yeah, and thanks for asking. Everybody, please, please uh, give us feedback, ask questions. It's It's all good. Yeah, and that actually brings me to one thing I wanted to mention. We've not specifically said this, I don't think. We've asked for feedback an email or we just said to email us we actually would love it if you just asked us any kind of question it doesn't have to be about the show or anything that we've even said before you might just have a a random question that you want to ask us as board gamers and we'll do our best to answer it on the show right we can research it and the email is uh out of game podcast at gmail.com so if you want to ask us a question and have us answer on the show go ahead and send us an email 
Uh, we did have a couple of people mention that the audio sounded better. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't actually announce that the audio was going to be better last time because we didn't want to fall on our faces again. <laughs> right. We invested in some new equipment though. Yeah. So uh, you know, hopefully it will continue to improve as I get better at audio editing and and uh, you know we do have better equipment now. So uh, let us know you know if it sounds if it sounds bad if it sounds good, and we'll keep trying our best to to make it better. So I was uh, I went on Board Game Geek today because again I'm a nerd. And not not that I was on Board Game Geek, but this part is nerdy. I went into the guilds and and went to the podcast area, and I copied and pasted all of the guilds, the names of all the guilds and the member count into a spreadsheet and analyzed what number we were as far as guild members. So out of 126 podcast guilds, we were 76th highest for members, which I was pretty happy with. It's respectable. We've yeah. had what three, four. This is our fourth. This is our fourth episode, so you know I was pretty happy about that. But I, I would love it if we could jump into the top half. That, you know, we're not aiming super high here. We just want to get into the top half. Should we talk about what we're gonna do to help that? Uh, you know, we might uh, we might have a little contest coming. We might. You know, keep keep your ears uh, your ears open for that. We're gonna spice things up. Uh, but for now, you know, we would just love it if you know if you're listening to the show right now, just. Hit pause, go out to BoardGameGeek slash guild slash 1990, and click the Join This Guild button. All it really does is add you as a member so, um, of our guild, and you can post in our forums. Honestly, most of the discussion that we've had with uh, listeners has been on the BoardGameGeek guild, uh, more than Facebook or, or Twitter. Um, so, you know, if, uh, if you want to go out and join... we. We would love to jump into the top half of podcast guilds on Board Game oh, yeah. And uh, if you don't remember that URL, you could also go to our website, and it, there's a link to it there. That website is outofgamepodcast.com. And one last thing is my magic number is down to 27. What was it before? It was a little above 30. Okay. So Good. since last Good. recording, I've uh, I've played a few games. There, there was one game that I took off the list. So I do have some def- I call them deferred games. They're games You're allowed I- to do that. Yeah, I, I, I allow myself to do that because okay. I know that I'm not going to get to play them forever. So I just don't even like. I have some kid like some kids games, for example, that I bought to like play with Evan when he's old enough. Gotcha. And Can't count those. Yeah, those are those are in the deferred category, and I deferred a game for now, but okay. that was only one of the four. I'm pretty happy about it. So 27. Yeah, we had another listener post that his magic number was two. I think two is much more normal. That's, <laughs> I think that is the, you know, the the statistical average out there. A lot yeah. closer than twenty-seven. Yeah, two. And the, and what was funny about his two games was they were both. One of them was like a five-minute game, and the other was like a twenty-minute game. So I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, and then Bonnie, who we mentioned last time, also uh, she posted that her magic number never goes above one, because she has to play within three days of buying it. Right. Which I think is also normal. I think that's very normal. You buy a game, you want to play it. Yeah. You don't want to put it on your shelf, right? That's that's yeah. crazy. Now, for me, you know, I have to actually create a cell that tells me how long I've owned the game because I know it's going to be that long before I play it. So, you, okay. <laughs> so you just put the date that you bought it, and then maybe a calculation. In yeah, there it calculates the, you know gotcha. how many days it's been. And and on my shelf, you know, I have two shelves devoted to games that I haven't played yet. So they're all like together, organized on the shelf. So it's a nice feeling when I play one because I get to move it from the left side to the right side, nice. and I want them all to be on the right side. But the left side keeps filling up. 
That's not nerdy at all, by the way. I don't think it is. I think it's completely normal. Just like it's normal to have a whole wall of board games. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyways, that's pretty much all we had for the opening, and now we're going to jump into a new segment that we like to call the Board Game Food Truck. Board Game Food Truck, my favorite segment. So, Chris, explain to me what the Board Game Food Truck okay, is. Okay, I will. I will do that. So, last uh, last episode, we were talking about um, King of Tokyo, and I referred to it as a ham sandwich. Just <laughs> Multiple it, times. <laughs> it, but it popped in my head as, how do I describe this game? You know, it's, it's a good game. It's a fun game. It's very good at what it does, uh, but it's not... It's not the game you obsess over that you can't wait to get your hands on and play King of Tokyo with your buddies. So I, I just I called it a ham sandwich, and then it, it it kind of evolved into this thing where we came up with food representations. We for, meaning you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's in my own twisted head. I came up with uh, food comparisons for other games, and I thought it would be fun to uh, come up with some food comparisons. The board game food truck, if you will. So I'm gonna a few of our favorite games. So I'm gonna I'm gonna name a game here, and then you're gonna tell me what what food the game represents. Well, before we get into the board game food truck, should we? I just want to point out that our main topic of tonight is werewolf. Yeah, and I think that's relevant to to the food truck also. But we're gonna discuss a lot of the werewolf strategy, the classic werewolf game, fifteen player. Yeah. Variety. Uh, we're gonna review a game called Witch Hunt. Yep. which is very similar to Werewolf. It's kind of been derived from it. Right. We'll break that down, too. They're beta testing that game right now. They'll be in Kickstarter next year. We'll talk more about that later. And so we're going to spend most of our time talking about the Werewolf uh, mechanic. Yeah. Okay, but on to the food truck, the board game food truck. So you hit me with the game. I will tell you what food it represents. Okay, so let's go with what used to be your number one, what I would consider an actual board game. One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Mm. <laughs> so One Night Ultimate Werewolf, that's the game you can play in 5, 10, 15 minutes. You know, you, you do One Night of Werewolf, and you're done. It's a very fun game. It's very addicting. I compare that to eating one potato chip, a sole potato chip by itself. You can't just eat one. You're going back to the bag for more because it's not filling. You're not satisfied. It's delicious. The games are fast and entertaining. You just need another, then another, then another. Before you know it, it's 2 a.m. You have remor- all this remorse for the amount of saturated fat that you just put into your body. But after two weeks, you're willing to do the exact same thing again. So what brand of uh, potato chip would you use here? Oh, Lay's potato chips. Lay's? Oh, yeah. Like generic Lay's? Absolutely. What? It's a beautiful thing. What about like uh, like Pringles? Those aren't even, I don't even know what that is. That's not a potato chip. Yes, it is. Those are potato crisps. Who knows what that even means? <laughs> well, don't worry. We'll save Pringles Crisp for a Crisp means taste better. That's what it means. Lay's. Oh, let's go on to the next What's wrong game? with you? All right. Robo Rally. Uh, Robo Rally, one of my favorite games. <laughs> a game of complete randomness. Talking about random. Robo Rally, I would compare to lamb with mint jelly. Okay, that could be good or bad. It's an odd. It's one of those odd combinations that you only eat because people tell you that they, it goes good together. It's a thing, and I'm using the quote symbol when I say thing. Air quotes. Lamb with mint jelly. Lamb with mint. I've never had mint jelly. Uh, it's 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 ridiculous, but people say that lamb with mint jelly. You know, you can order that at some restaurants. It's kind of a thing. 
you know, but afterward, you wonder why you listen to your friend's recommendation and you wish you had that past 30 minutes to do all over again. <laughs> That's RoboRally. <laughs> okay. Where would RoboRally fall in your uh, top, in your list of favorite games? Oh, it wouldn't. Wouldn't even be on there? <laughs> I don't think it'll make the cut. <laughs> I, like I said, I think we talked about this last episode. You could just roll two dice. And then whoever's is higher wins. Yeah. And that's the same thing as Robo Rally, except you get it done quicker. <laughs> okay. All right, let's go with uh Cyclades. I'm not sure what that is, but I'll I'll tell you what Cyclades. Okay. Is. Sister game. Cyclades I would compare that to uh an open faced turkey sandwich with rich gravy and fresh, thick bread. Hmm. It's something you wouldn't normally order unless you've already had it. But once you have it, you love it. It's open face, so you can see everything in front of you. There's no mysteries, no surprises, no secrets. It takes a little longer to eat than you think, but each bite is delicious in its own way. Hmm. Like the turns in Cyclades can be. The game could change on a dime. You always want another bite until you're done. When you're finally done, you're completely satisfied, and it's something you would have again in the future. What does the thick bread represent? The satisfying... I don't know, decadence of each turn. <laughs> it's just the very full turn. The dice. All right, let's go with Werewolf. It's one of the topics werewolf. for tonight. The, the theme of the night, Werewolf. It's a very special game. When I try to think of a food to represent Werewolf, so many things come to mind and fall short because I don't want to say that Werewolf is the ultimate game, but it certainly is a game everybody has some sort of... Uh, strong feelings for whether you like the social games or not so i would compare it to pulled pork on a pretzel bun with a mystery barbecue sauce okay the sauce is different every time just like the game experience itself you may be out five minutes once the game starts meaning you throw away the sandwich but you may love the sauce savoring the sandwich knowing you may never have that sauce again you immerse yourself in this game because the right people are there, the right timing, the right roles. Everything is going well. It's a completely different experience. The enjoyment is dependent. It's dependent on those things: the gameplay, the people, the situation. And time goes by quickly as you eat the sandwich, knowing that it's the combinations of the flavors and the sauces are just delicious and perfect. And the pretzel bun kind of represents the idea. That the things that make the game weird are also the things that make the game fun. Okay. <laughs> and like I said, you don't know what you're going to get from one game to the next. We've had those games where you're you're mauled by the... Well, you don't get mauled, but... Or yeah, you, you, you'll get mauled. You yeah. won't get lynched. Right. You'll get mauled by the crowd, by the werewolves, and you'll be out in five minutes, ten minutes. We've, we've all had that happen. That's no fun. And... Um, that's like eating those those. Have you ever had the the pulled pork sandwiches with the barbecue sauce? Have you ever had that? Yeah. Sometimes the the sauce is just really good, but then sometimes it's a little suspect. It's hit or miss. It's hit or miss. Sometimes you have those miss. So know. the mystery sauce represents the hit or miss That's element. Right. Uh, and we do want to apologize to all our vegetarian fans <laughs> before we go any further. Uh, okay, and the final one for the night is witch hunt game we're going to review later right and witch hunt most of the audience probably doesn't know about this game yet it's not even out but um we we're fortunate enough to play this game at gen con and we'll talk about it in a minute but i compare witch hunt 
Witch Hunt is like a seven-course meal cooked by Wolfgang Puck. <laughs> okay, Wolfgang. Clever. S- served by half a dozen uh, waiters and waitresses all waiting on you because the, the high-maintenance-ness of the meal, i.e. the game, is so great that it takes a crew in order to facilitate the meal. Wouldn't the crew annoy you, though? Are these the guys no. that like that fill your water up every time you take a drink? Is that what they're doing? It's a seven-course meal, so they're constantly bringing food. They're taking your plate and bringing you the next course. Gotcha. You start out with your hors d'oeuvres, you know, whatever. Cream of barley, poached salmon, filet mignon. Salad. <laughs> For a vegetarian fan. Salad would be the next course. <laughs> you have your salad after your main meal, not before. Yeah, a little plate of peaches, and then finish things off with a chocolate eclair. That's witch hunt. Witch Hunt is a seven-course meal. Sounds better than um, pulled pork sandwich. <laughs> you're trying to say that Witch Hunt is better than Werewolf. I think you're saying if that. You have, if you have that pulled pork sandwich with that perfect sauce, though. It could be better than the yeah, seven-course meal. Be, yeah. But not every time, though, because it's a mystery sauce. It's a mystery sauce. You could be voted out right away. And in those cases, you'd rather play Witch Hunt. Because as we're about to learn in Witch Hunt, you don't get voted out. You're still in the game, even if you're lynched. Right. All right. Well, that, that was the board game food truck. Thanks, Chris. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. My thanks pleasure. Thanks for making everyone hungry. Uh, let us know what you thought about the board game food truck, especially if you hated it. I really want to hear those. Uh, but if you Come liked on. it, we want to hear those, too. It's the food truck. <laughs> no, I like, I like the board game food truck. I, I would like to actually go to a board game food truck where the menu items were games, and then it listed the ingredients. You know, they did that at some of the restaurants in Gen Con uh, with that drink. Okay. You ordered that up. Oh, the Froth of Con? The Froth of Con. Uh, I tasted that. Is that any good? Not, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, we are going to move on now to our main discussion topic, which is werewolf. Eyewitnesses report seeing a menacing beast with dark hair, walking on its hind legs and standing over seven feet tall. The creature is said to kill using deadly fangs and razor-sharp claws. It has the strength to subdue animals as large as 1,200 pounds, and it emits blood-curdling howls. Locals refer to the monster as the werewolf. So, for those of you that haven't played Werewolf, first of all, you need to play this game. I'm just going to say that right at the start. You need to play this game. I'm going to go through the rules real quick in case you've never played it. But if you've not played it, just play it. That's that's the first just thing I want to say. It. It's one of those games you have to try. It's a little bit weird and different. There's no dice. There's no board. You see people playing it, and it looks weird when you watch them. But it's a phenomenal game. Yeah, and, and, and you do not need to be gamers to play this. I have played this game with the most random groups of people that you could ever imagine. Yep. So... Uh, go out and play it. So just what we're talking about today, we're going to discuss our strategies that we use in the game of werewolf. And not that we're werewolf experts, and we're just talking about the basic werewolf game, not ultimate werewolf with all the the roles. We're talking about basic werewolf where you've got uh, 12 villagers, a seer, and two werewolves. That's it. It's all you need. You could even play this game with a deck of cards. That's right. And so we're going to be talking about strategies for the basic game of Werewolf because I think probably we're approaching at least over 50, probably 50 to 100 games of Werewolf at this point. Yeah. So 
I think we've played it enough to at least give the tips that we have from the game. But if you've not played Werewolf, real quick, there's a moderator, there's 15 people sitting in a circle. Everyone gets a card. 12 of those cards just say Villager. You're just a plain villager, you have no special powers. You've got two guys with a werewolf card, and you've got one guy, or girl, that is a seer. The moderator tells, and what happens is there's a day phase and a night phase, and during the day, you're going to do a, a majority vote to lynch someone because you're a, uh, a crazed lynch mob who is out for blood and death, and you must kill someone. And it's, it's fair to point out, there's no... Shot clock. You could take as long as you want to deliberate right. who you're going to lynch. Right. But you have to lynch somebody every day, every quote-unquote day yeah. of the game. You, you have to vote somebody out. And all you have to go on is what people are saying and how they're acting. That's it. And then, so during the day, you're going to do majority vote. You're going to try, you're trying as a villager, you're trying to kill the two werewolves. As the werewolves, you're trying to get everyone else killed and be the last two survivors. And then everyone will put their head down. The moderator will have the werewolves put their heads up. This is a nighttime phase. This is in the night phase. This is simulating the werewolves killing someone at night. The werewolves put their heads up and quietly point. They have to point at the same person, so to come to an agreement quietly who they're going to maul that night. The moderator remembers who it is. Werewolves put their heads down. The seer puts their head up. Seer points at someone, and then the moderator gives thumbs up which means that person that you just pointed to is a werewolf that's thumbs up or thumbs down which means you did not find a werewolf so the seer is trying to see and in, see into the future and see who the werewolves are seer puts their head down everyone puts their heads up moderator tells a quick story says who the werewolves killed and then you proceed to the next day phase and the person the werewolves killed uh, reveal their identity whether or not they're a seer or a villager. Right. And then they're not allowed to talk. Exactly. They, they have to leave the game. They can watch, but they can't talk. Yep, they have to leave the circle, and the people in the circle will scoot in. And, and when the lynch mob kills someone, they also, you also reveal what that person's role was. So when you're a lynch mob, and if you're a villager or the seer, you want to see werewolf a werewolf card come right. up. But if you're a werewolf, you want to see anything but werewolf come right. up. Right. So those are the rules. Yeah, and the end result of all this is it's an extremely social game where there's a lot of talking, a lot of dialogue. You're trying to pick and choose who you think are, are the suspicious folks in the circle. You know, who's a little fishy? You know, who do you who's the most believable? Uh, you, if you're a villager, you want to know who the seer is so you can uh, kind of share in their information and, and do a better, a, a smarter lynching. Uh, but the seer does not want to reveal themselves, obviously, because right. the werewolves will kill the seer the very night that they know who the seer is. Right. So since we're jumping into strategy, I've broken down, I'd like to break it down by the different roles and then general strategies. And then I want to talk a little bit about our specific skills that you and I bring to the table when we play werewolf. Okay. So first of all, just general strategy of the game of werewolf. One of the most important skills I believe to have in Werewolf is the ability to deflect the lynch mob. And you're the master at that. Okay, and this is, my, this is my best skill in Werewolf. Yeah. Ryan, I don't think he's ever been lynched, have you? I have been lynched... As a villager. One time as a villager, and you were actually the other villager. And for some reason, you didn't believe me and you, you guys lynched me. I can't remember if you ended up being a werewolf, though. 
I think you might have been a werewolf that game. I honestly don't remember, but out of like hundreds of games, that's like the only time. Was that recent or? It was t- uh, two years ago. Okay. Of course, it sticks out in my mind because it had never happened before. <laughs> you were not a werewolf? No. I was a villager. Okay. But anyway, right. the ability to deflect. If you're a villager, you want to deflect because you want to stay in the game. If you're the seer, seer is the most important villager. You definitely want to deflect. And the werewolves obviously want to deflect. So this is a skill that any player needs to have. Right. And the seer, a lot of these games are decided whether you have a good seer or not. Because the seer, for the village, they really rely on the seer being smart. And we'll talk about seer strategy in a second. But uh, if you're not a seer and you're not a werewolf, you're really on your own to try to figure out who those werewolves are. Right. So just my tidbits about deflecting is you can't be overly aggressive that that would be one if you're overly aggressive in a game like if someone starts accusing you you don't want to be overly overly aggressive and and, and like point at someone else and say no it's him or or you definitely don't want to just point back at the person accusing you so what do you do so what you do is you it's so let's let's think of it okay there, there's a lynch mob and I, this happened the last time we played where a little kid was was in the circle and he kept he was fingering you and saying he i think he's the werewolf and he started to get right people raising their hands and pointing them at you yeah and you did what you always do you deflected it yeah how, how do you do that? now i will i will wait make a point of clarification here my skill at deflecting is only when i'm a villager when I'm when I'm a That's werewolf, right. I I'm really bad at this. But as a villager or a seer, more importantly, what I would do is I would I would convince the town that it's stupid for them to just randomly vote out people, and that they're voting out a villager. And I can say it with a lot of uh, of heart and soul because I believe it you with everything it. inside me. And and usually when I when I start going into that argument, I, I see people's hands just start dropping. Because they, they agree, they can they can see it. So you, you just need to speak with passionately about this is the strategy of the game. You guys you guys are doing it wrong. That's interesting. So you're appealing to the sense of logic that it doesn't make sense to make a rash right. decision like that. Now that's that's one. What if they have an evidence against you that's just flawed? Well, then you have to you have to you have to be very delicate in that in that case. You have to you have to present to them why it's flawed without making them feel stupid. <laughs> Because it, that's an art, right? Because if they feel stupid, then they're they're just going to be annoyed with you and want to kill you anyways. Okay. So you know you have to you have to just you have to show them that you're on their side. You know you want to work together with them to find the real werewolves, and that we're wasting time trying to vote out this villager. And you know we we need to let, let's refocus ourselves on who the real werewolves are. Okay. Give, give them that sense of unity. You know that they don't want to vote out their team member. They want to keep that guy around and work together with him. So that's a good strategy for deflection. Yeah. Now I've tried this as a werewolf, and it's not as effective. So it's there's something about the the <laughs> the, the truthfulness to what I'm saying that is very evident when I'm a villager, right. and that just comes out wrong when I'm a werewolf. That's very interesting. <laughs> so the ability to deflect. Now, as a werewolf, a- another thing you can do is you can make jokes too. This is another thing I'll do sometimes is y- you. When they're pointing at you, you just you just make some like sly remark, and then people kind of laugh, and then they they're like, "Oh, that guy's cool," and then they they don't focus on you anymore. So, uh, but I think the absolute worst thing you can do is someone points at you and you point back at them and say, "Oh, well, you're the werewolf because you're pointing at me." It's really bad logic, and 
people can what see What about the that. strategy for deflecting? Somebody points you out as a werewolf. Instead of pointing back at them, saying that they're definitely not a werewolf. Because I, I, I've done that in the past and I've had mixed results. But you're, you're kind of the expert, so I want your opinion. You know, that could build trust, but... But I've noticed, I've actually noticed you doing that, and you'll do that when you're a werewolf because it's true. What you're saying is true. You know they're not a werewolf because you're the werewolf and you know who the werewolves are. So it's that's an interesting one because what you're saying is true, and it's kind of getting kind of getting that person on your side. I'm trying to like befriend them so they leave me alone. Right. <laughs> I just don't know if that's an effective strategy. And yeah. for everybody listening. You really don't know how good of a deflector Ryan is. This is almost an honor for me, even though I've played 50 games or whatever of this, to hear his breakdown of how to do the deflection because I've seen this in action with people that we know very well and complete strangers, and it's a phenomenal thing that I'll just sit back and watch. (laughs) I don't even need to help him get out of it. I just watch people piling on him and just watch him artfully deflect it. It's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, and and it's all for my desire to want to stay in the game because I just love playing werewolf. That just playing it. I and honestly, I don't bring much else to the table in werewolf. I just have the ability to survive in werewolf. But I'm 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 usually bad at figuring out liars. I think the only things I'm I'm really good at are getting people to have discussion and and deflecting, which doesn't yeah. really help everyone. It just helps me really. It keeps a good villager in the game, though. You want people talking, so that's a good thing. So, okay, so that was my that was the first item I had. The second general thing that nobody should do, it doesn't matter who you are in the village, you should not openly discuss the seer. The seer should not be mentioned, and, and here's why. People don't understand why you shouldn't say seer, so I'm going to give you my, my theories on why you shouldn't mention the seer. First of all, as soon as you mention the seer... The werewolves may not have been thinking about the seer, and now it's like on their radar. Now they're looking for the seer, and they're listening to what you say. Okay. Plus, you're probably pointing out the fact that you're not the seer. So that's just one less person for them to think is the seer. Mentioning the seer is just bad form. And there's nothing good that comes out of it. Exactly. There's, there's no positive thing that can come about discussing. And here's an example of what you might say. We've just lost three villagers in a row with lynching because we we have no idea what we're doing as a mob. The werewolves are picking us off at night, and we're just we're not things are not going well. So you want to appeal to the seer because the seer knows something. She's like seer, whoever you are, <laughs> you know you need to help us, right? So if I say something like that, that's an emotionally based thing to say. There's nothing good that's going to happen as a result of me saying that, right? But there could be bad things like that you just mentioned that happened as a result of it. Right. And I remember one game I brought up the seer and I was a villager. You thought that I was a werewolf because I brought that up and you started turning everybody against me. Because <laughs> Chris brought up the seer. Uh, Why is he doing that? You can't bring up the seer. Right. And uh, before I knew what I was doing, I was like defending myself against the mob. <laughs> as you should have been. Like, I didn't know I wasn't supposed <laughs> to talk about that. But he's right. You don't want to openly talk about the seer. Yeah, and if you're the werewolves... That's just a just a big target on you. When you start mentioning the seer, this is actually in a game I played at Gen Con this year. It was down to me as a seer, two, uh, two werewolves and like two villagers. This is getting down to the wire. And one of the werewolves, I didn't know she was a werewolf at the time, but she's like, okay, who's the seer? She just comes out and she's like, we need to figure out who the seer is. And And I was the seer and I actually knew she was a werewolf. And I was trying and I needed to communicate that. 
it was such a perfect out because I just went, what are you talking about the seer for? And just put my hand up and pointed at her and everyone else in the village just pointed at her and she nice. died. So that was a smart village then because they knew you're not supposed to discuss the seer. Right. So stupid, stupid, stupid to say, it's <laughs> like the worst question you can ask in world was who is the seer? There's nothing to gain from it. Right. And another thing that I would say is if you're in a game of werewolf, you need to participate. Yeah, you have the people who sit back and don't say anything. Uh, they don't make good villagers when you're not talking. You're not getting the discussion going. Uh, you're you're drawing attention to yourself almost as in a suspicious way, which helps the werewolves right. ultimately. So participating is important. Right, and that actually brings me now as we will segue into the villager strategies. One of the first things that it, it's not the first thing I have written here, but it's. Uh, actually, I don't even see it on here. But basically, it is get rid of dead weight. Oh, it is there. Get rid of dead weight. And when I say dead weight, I mean I'm talking about the guy who doesn't say a stinking word during the whole game. He sits there quietly. He or she sits there quietly. They're not participating in the discussion, so you have no idea if they're good or bad. So they're either there's they're two they're one of two things. They're a horrible villager or they're a werewolf. Right. So you get rid of them. So vote them out. Or up. same with the little kids too that aren't really even have paying attention to the game. Right. <laughs> and I feel I was going to put that on the list, but I felt too bad about it. But it's not all kids. Right. Some kids are actually very good at werewolf. It's if they're they're distracted. They're not really into the game. They're checking their phone. You need to pick them off. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times what it is, it's the parents are there with their kids and they can't leave the kid in the hotel room by themselves right. so they just bring them to werewolf right and the kids you know yeah, but that's not our problem they, they need to go well, right and those are the kids though that usually you just want to vote out at the beginning right so in werewolf the first day is the is the hardest day it's the it's the strangest part of the game you have no information so you start the game the the werewolves haven't mauled anyone yet you just get in a circle of 15 people and you have to vote someone out you have to lynch someone just with no information at all and a lot of people, when I get in these games of werewolf, just say, oh, the first day is just random. Let's just pick someone and kill them. To which I adamantly say, no, 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 that is stupid, stupid, stupid. Because we have seen in multiple games a successful lynch on the first day. And the only way you can get to that successful lynch is by getting people to talk. So... I am a very strong advocate that the first day you should take the time to try to figure out who a werewolf is. So one of the things that we do, and I'll and I'm usually the one that will start this, is we'll we'll go around and have everyone say, just say a simple sentence, I am not the werewolf. And now there is a there is a distinction I want to make here. You don't ask them, Are you a werewolf? and then just have them say yes or no. Because anyone can just say yes. That's so easy to to lie and just say yes. Right. You make them say the full sentence, so they're they're flat out lying to you yeah. in a full sentence form. Yeah, and when they say I'm not the werewolf, there are clues you can get. Yeah, if they're lying, because you know sometimes there's a twitchy guy in there, mm -hmm. and when he says it, his face starts to twitch. You know, you can see little drool coming down, and you know that guy is a werewolf. Yeah, and we've had some games where we've done pretty well with that. Yeah, we've picked people off. Yeah, if you can kill someone the first day, a werewolf. It's smooth sailing after that because it, it eventually will just get down to a numbers game where you're pretty sure it's one of two people. And so you just start killing people and to just math wise, you know, you're going to win. Right. So 
don't just say the first day is random. Make people talk on the first day. Make them say, I'm not the werewolf. Ask them what they think. Another telltale, telltale sign is you ask someone who they think is suspicious, and, and they'll look at you like they haven't even thought of it. That's a telltale sign that person could be a werewolf because they haven't been right. thinking like that. Right. Everyone else is thinking, wow, who looks suspicious? If they if they look dumbfounded like a deer in headlights when you ask them who they right. think is suspicious, pretty good indication that person's a werewolf. Right. Now, another strategy as a villager is, it, this is hard to do, but if you have an idea who the seer is, you need to protect that person, even if it means sacrificing yourself. So, for example, maybe there we'll talk about seer strategies later, but sometimes if the seer is good, they'll be sharing information with the people around them once they know they're safe. So let's say the seer is next to me and they're like telling me stuff. There might be a point in the game where I just come out and say, I'm the seer. And I just say that person's a werewolf because I know they're a werewolf. If I, if I think we have the numbers to pull that off, they're going to think I'm the seer. The werewolves are going to think I'm the seer. So I out and I out a werewolf, we kill them in the night. Who's going to die? It's going to be me, mm-hmm. but the seer is still alive because I pretended to be the seer. Right. The seer gets to check another person, so the seer is still in the game. So as a villager, you just want the village to win. Right. So it, that's one thing that you could do. You're trying to protect the seer. It's hard, though, to, to fall in the grenade like that. Yeah. And that's something that I would probably only do. I, there was a girl who did this beautifully in a game where I was the seer. I told her everything Uh I don't, I don't know how I was able to just tell her everything, but she stood up and said, okay, guys, I'm the seer. And then she said, you, 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 you're all safe. And you guys, I'm not sure about. And so we split the circle into the people who we knew were safe and that weren't. It was hilarious. But I but I was really me. And so, then she got mauled. Yeah, night. she got killed. But I but then everyone, she was a villager. And everyone knew it was me after that because they saw me and her talking. But it was like, well, I'm still in the game, and and what she said is true. And so then we could have like an open discussion about, all right, it's between like you two people, so we just need to figure it out. Wow, nice. So villagers, you know, even though you don't have a special ability, uh, you ha- you're still very important, and protecting the seer is 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 a really important thing to do. Right. Um, kind of talked about this in the first night, but as a villager, don't be don't just randomly vote. The, the stupidest thing you can do is just be random. If you just randomly kill someone every day, you're going to lose. It's back to that, that word again, random. Yeah. You don't want to be random. Not in this game. Don't just randomly kill people. That breaks the game. Right. Now, I got to tell a story about this last villager thing. Two years ago, Chris and I were in a werewolf game where I think it was around 60 people in the game. They had extra sets of cards. There were like 60 people. I think there were four werewolves a seer and everyone else's villagers. I, I don't remember exactly the, the breakout, but there's a ton of people for some, somehow we were able to kill the werewolves in like five rounds in, in a game of 60 people. And I remember sitting there thinking we're like among, like, I feel like such a werewolf noob when that happened. Right. How could you, how could people be so good? There was like these two guys that figured out who all the werewolves were in this giant group of 60 people and and we won in like five or six rounds. It was amazing. Do you remember that game? Well, I was killed on the first night. Okay, yeah, you got <laughs> that was I, the bad that, year. For that you. was the bad year for me, where I was the werewolves killed me every night in the first night. Yeah. Uh, so after the game was over, I approached the guys that that were that were, were figured it out, and I said, "How did you? How did you know who they were?" And th- and this is what the guy told me. He said, 
when the when the moderator tells you to wake up, look look at everyone's eyes and see where they're looking. Find someone who's looking looking at another person. If that person dies, if that was a person that got mauled, the guy who was looking at him is the werewolf. So I don't know how he was doing this with a group of 60 people, but he was basically saying, like, let's say I'm the werewolf. I kill someone. When I wake up, I'm looking at the person I killed some subconsciously because I know that I killed them. That's not the impressive thing about that to me. The impressive thing is how do you get consensus when you have a good theory like that to to focus on one person and vote them out without betraying your strategy? Because once you betray your strategy, then the werewolves won't do that anymore. He didn't. He I, they got they got the whole mob to just try because I think. But the, but without saying why, he never said what he what he did. That's what I don't. That that's the part that I that was pretty about. amazing too. So anyway, this was the last game of werewolf we played that year. So I remembered that, and I thought about that. For an entire year until the next Gen Con. So the first game I played at Gen Con, I'm like, I'm going to try it. So we put our heads down. I think it was the first night that there was a mauling. And we actually, the moderator did his thing. We put our heads up. I quickly scanned the circle. And I, and I saw this guy looking at someone across the circle. And then that person died. And so this is what I said. I said, guys, I think that guy is a werewolf. I pointed at the guy. And I, and I said, and they're like, well, why do you think? I'm like, I think he's a werewolf. Why do you think that? I can't tell you why I think that. If I'm wrong, you can lynch me the next day. But I, I think I know that that guy is a werewolf for sure. And I convinced everyone to kill him. And they were so reluctant to do it because it was like the first day. And he was a freaking werewolf. And wow. I was like, oh my gosh, I just became like a werewolf professional. Yeah, you did. And 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 then after the game, well, so here's the thing, though. They killed you that night. Because they, they did. Thought you were the seer. They actually didn't kill me. But what was funny was, um, I tried it again and again, and I've never been able to do this again in any uh, game of world. It was just the first time I tried. It. Time. Yeah. But what was great was after the game was over, everyone in the circle thought I was like this master. <laughs> they were coming up to me like asking me what I did and stuff. So yeah. I thought that was funny. That's cool. So it's something you could try. I don't know if it will work every time, but when you wake up after the mauling. See if you can catch somebody looking at the person who died before the moderator says who it was. Right. If you can catch them doing that, there's a very good chance that person's a werewolf. Yep. <laughs> okay. So I think I wanted to talk now about Chris's uh, Chris's special power in werewolf. So Chris has this amazing, uncanny ability to, to be able to tell when people are lying. Complete strangers. Of course he can tell all his friends, too. But what was it we were calling you? The uh, we had like a nickname for you the a couple, the year that you kept getting killed the first um, night, the first uh, I can't remember. the first day. It's like I the analyst remember. or something. But it was bad because you guys were saying that to listen to me, which it was a nice thing. But when people said, "Why should we listen to him?" Oh, he just like guessed the last three werewolves. Then the werewolves would kill me that night, and we learned very quickly that you need to like tone down. Like the one guy that was in the CIA right. who was playing the game ended up with the same problem eventually. You know, who's going to want somebody that's a professional like that playing? Why would the werewolves keep him around? Yeah. So for me, what the, you know, and there was that one game. It was kind of a classic game where I knew the girl sitting across from us was a werewolf, <laughs> and and I 
she knew that I knew because I, I just looked at her. Nobody else was paying attention to us, and I just mouthed, you're a werewolf. Yeah. And and then I didn't like the way she looked back at me. <laughs> so I said to Ryan, who was sitting next to me, if I die, that girl over there is a werewolf. And, and Ryan's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and then like the whole rest of the game, he didn't try to – to to go after her except toward the very end. Yeah, and Chris got killed that night. Yeah, I did get killed. Yeah. She she killed me that night. And and the reason the reason I knew that it's not a perfect science. It's kind of like your the thing you the strategy you had before where it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. But people are interesting. It's it's hard to lie. You know, even people that say that they have no problem lying, what they'll do is, for example, when we do this thing where we go around the circle and make people say the words, I am not the werewolf, and just watch them. Some people bounce. I bounce my legs a lot, but some people have that habit. You can't go by jitteriness. You go by calibration. You look at what they're doing before it's their turn. Watch what they say and watch how they change after they say it. Their eyes will move. Uh, this this particular girl looked, kept looking down, and she would like look around. Her eyes were very shifty, but only when she said that phrase. And she tried to over-explain herself when I stared at her. That was the other thing. I just gave her that look like I was suspicious of her, and she over-explained. The, we, the questioning had already moved on past her, and she said, no, I, I have a problem with, with my eye, and I, I, I do that sometimes. And <laughs> A good lie needs no over-explanation. You just let it be. And people who are trying to to bluff their way through will over-explain sometimes. That's the other tell. Then with my friends, sometimes it's easy to tell because I know their, their mannerisms. Like Ryan, for example. Ryan gets upset and like he becomes negative when he's the werewolf he, because he's put in a situation where he has to lie and he doesn't. It's uncomfortable. And when you're pushed in this uncomfortable state you don't like it and so that's coming out (laughs) you know we've talked about some of dave's tells we have in our group of friends um probably the best werewolf the the hardest one for me to to guess is sarah and i i talked to her about that i said how how do you tell me what your strategy is because i can't read you you're like the one person that's very difficult to read and she she looked at me and said chris when i'm the werewolf i convince myself that I'm a villager. I, I I am a villager in my own mind. <laughs> and the way she explained it, I'm not doing it justice. It, it's it's brilliant. And I try to emulate that when I'm the werewolf, which isn't very often. But it, it's it's the best way to, to be a werewolf is to not think about it. Be a villager. Yeah. Put yourself in the mind of a villager and don't don't even think about what your strategy is as the werewolf. But as far as picking off the werewolves and trying to detect who's lying and who's telling the truth, just get everybody talking and look at their look at their mannerisms and see what the deltas are. How are they different from what they were a minute ago? See, you're saying that like it's like it it sounds so easy, but I I try to do that. I mean, well, I don't know that I've necessarily looked for something changing in the, in like over like a short span of time like that. I think most people are probably just looking to see who looks suspicious. You're like taking it to the next level. You're analyzing like a before and after, before, during, and after. Yes, who looks suspicious to me is the most overrated technique. They do that every time, and I get called out a lot for looking suspicious. I don't know why, but I'm labeled often, and I haven't been the werewolf in a long time, but I'm often told I look suspicious. That's not a good way to go. People can look suspicious for a variety of reasons. It's what what are their mannerisms when they're pushed? 
You know, think about when you're a werewolf and you're hiding the secret and people are looking you in the eye and asking you questions. It's an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. And that's what you want to try to flush out. And it's definitely not perfect because I've, I've been wrong plenty of times too where uh, there, there's times I don't I have no idea who it is. And there was one guy, the guy who, um, what was that movie, Red Riding Hood? Who's the main actor in that? Oh, gosh. I'm I can't bad. remember. I, I, but, horrible actor names. But this guy looked... Uh, he looked like that actor, and so I thought he was the werewolf just from that alone because he was in the werewolf movie, and and I was suspicious of him, and he was acting. He was also acting suspicious, and I I I, I kind of asked him. I said, "So what's? Why are you doing this? You're kind of moving in your chair every time you're talking," and he said that he was very sick and he should be in bed right now. I don't even know why I'm here, and he kind of made a sniffle sound, and so he used being sick as a way to get me off of his his tail and i was half suspicious of him and half not and so i this one of the strategies i've been using in order to get myself not mauled by werewolves is to befriend the werewolves it's it's to tell them that i think that they're definitely not the werewolf okay and i say it publicly so that they want to keep me around in the back of my mind i have a little yellow flag on this guy and it ended up coming down to me, him, and this girl, and I was able to convince her to vote for him, and he was the werewolf. Nice. But uh, there's no exact science. That's what makes the game fun. It's a very social game. A lot of talking and, you know, pokering, your poker face. Look at look at their eyes and see what they're doing. Um, like Ryan said too, in the first round, sometimes you can you can get the werewolves to shift a little bit in their seat. Yeah. You, there's no need to waste that first round. So I th- was it the profiler? Is that what they were calling the you? The profiler, yeah, that was it. We were calling him the profiler, which was ba- essentially was just us getting him mauled the first night of every game he played that yeah. year. Yeah, and then so when we did the massive game that you just referred to, that there were people from the previous game. Yeah, that was bad. Okay, so let's move on to the seer now. The seer, to me, is my favorite role in the game. Is You're like a special, powerful villager, and it's really, the seer is the most critical villager I mean, they're the one who has information, actual concrete information about who's bad and who's good in the circle. So I wanted to just go over a couple of strategies for the seer. One of the most basic strategies for the seer is the first two nights that you check people, check the person on your left and the person on your right. Now, why why would you do that, Chris? Do you know why you do that? The reason you do that is a good seer wants to know that the person to their right or left is safe so that they can share information. Exactly. You want to be able to talk to somebody in confidence, and so you check them. So the when I was a seer in, uh, at Gen Con last year, I checked the guy on my left, found out he was safe, and you have to take the opportunity... You have to be very careful very about discreet. this. Very discreetly, you have to tell that person that you know they're safe. That's all you need to say. A good player will know what that means. They'll know that they'll instantly know that you're the seer. Now, if you if you want to take the time to say I'm the seer, you're safe. I guess that's, that's you have also to be careful true. when you do yeah. that because you can be overheard. People can read your lips, things like that. Yeah. So you know, I what I do is I I watch people in the circle and I wait till there's a moment where no one is paying attention. They're like either on side conversations or there's a big discussion happening. And then I'll just discreetly, quietly say it to the guy next to me. And I'll, and I'll even put my head down or I'll like re- pretend I'm reaching for my water or something so that, you know, it, people can't read my lips. Right. 
But that's one reason you don't want to say seer, though, because that's that's a word people could read. But anyways, you, you want to check them, and then you want to let them know. And then as you're checking people in, uh, in. subsequent nights, yeah, let them know. That guy's safe. That guy's safe. So when it comes time to vote, they already know, like, we shouldn't kill that guy because the seer told me they're safe. Or that I know that guy's a werewolf, so we just need to find a way to, to kill him without outing the seer. So... Checking the person on your left or right is, is critical, and then sharing information with them whenever you can. Now, the other thing as a seer, though, this goes back to deflecting, is you cannot you cannot bring attention to yourself and let people know. You can't you can't cue the the werewolves in that you're the seer. So you want to be kind of pulling the strings as a seer. Like you don't want to be too smart yeah, outwardly. Exactly. Like if someone's on the hot seat and you know that person's bad, you don't you don't pile on, but you kind of make sure the vote's going that way. You just right. you try to just keep directing the vote that way slowly 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 until it comes time to vote. And when then when someone says, "Should we vote for him?" you might say, "Yeah, you know, maybe uh, yeah, I'm okay voting." You don't yeah, we should kill him, you know. <laughs> you don't just come out and like freak out about it. You have to be really discreet as a seer. That's like the number one thing. One of the things I think is a good strategy in that scenario is to agree hastily, but because of a different reason. Yeah. Like, yeah, they were, they were acting really strange when we woke up from the night and they were watching the mauling. You know, make up something like that. Right. So that you have a reason that has nothing to do with being the seer. Because the guy talking to you could be the other werewolf. Yeah. For all you know. And, you know, if there ever comes a time where where someone asks you, like, who do you think is suspicious? It's probably not a good idea to point at the two werewolves that you know are werewolves and say, oh, I think these two guys are suspicious. Right. It's really stupid. Although, that's not completely stupid, because if you say, these two guys are my number one suspects, and then they maul you that night, and they flip your card that you were the seer, smart players will say that you fingered out those two. Yeah. Well, but at that point, the people next to you should know who you know is safe anyways. Right. And actually, if you knew who both the werewolves were, you would just come out and say it anyways. Right, that's true. But, you know, if you know one, though, you you, you maybe want you might want to point them out or you might not want to. You might want to point it to random people because it doesn't really matter what you say in that group moment. Really, the important thing is that the people next to you actually know the real information. Right. So, you know... You wanna you wanna just kind of be in the background, pulling the strings, not bringing attention to yourself. It, that's the best year, and then just keep methodically checking people. Uh, the thing that can happen that's bad luck for the seer is is when the people they try to uncover get mauled, yeah, or lynched, yeah, because the the knowledge that you're gaining is getting taken away, and you you have a, like a net gain of zero as the game is going on. Sometimes it's bad luck. Sometimes it's a bad seer yeah also so what about werewolf strategies yeah if you are the werewolf so i'm i'm not really a good werewolf but obvious ones one is you want to try to find the seer so it's kind of the same thing that the villagers are doing they're trying to see who's acting suspicious like who's a werewolf or whatever well as a werewolf you know who the werewolves are so you're trying to find that one guy who's acting a little weird right now some ways i thought of that you could potentially figure this out one is, because of the seer strategies I just mentioned, try to look at who's talking a lot to the people on their left and right. Because that could be the seer. That could right. be a, a, a sign that that person's the seer. You're trying to find the seer. If you can kill a seer, that's a huge advantage to the werewolves. Right. Uh, another one is, 
<laughs> this is kind of a funny one. So sometimes we'll go around in a circle and we'll say, who do you think is safe? And who do you think is uh, who is suspicious? So everyone will go around and they'll say who thinks is suspicious, which you think is the point of the whole exercise. But as a werewolf, I'm listening to who do you think is safe? Because if everyone thinks Chris is safe, why leave him in the village? Right. Werewolves should kill that guy at night. Right. You you want to kill the safe people. And the perceptive people. And the perceptive people. And you want to leave all the people in that are causing chaos. Right. The there's, bad villagers. <laughs> the bad villagers. You want to leave in the quiet people. Right. Definitely don't lynch the quiet people. Yeah. You want to leave, I mean, I'm, leave well, the, all the randomness you can. You want to leave in the game because it just keeps the attention off of you. Right. What are some other, I, I you know, those are the, the quick ones I had written down. Yeah, for down, me, but, you know. I don't know if you're aware of this. I've only been the werewolf once. First game, right? The very first game, and we can talk about that too. But in Witch Hunt, I was frequently the the bad side. But but in where and when you're the werewolf, you went over most of the strategies. But for me, I I would almost trade perceptive people. I would rather get them gone than the seer, because I've seen seers be useless in yeah. the past, even when they know who the werewolf is. Yeah, I've seen. We've both seen that. But a good villager who's kind of putting two and two together, and they can flush out the information that the seer has and be effective in determining who's lying. I want those guys gone yeah. immediately. Uh, plus, as the werewolves, you, the seer is a guess. You don't know who the seer is. I mean, they're not going to come out and say it. So you have to be uh, kind of intuitive in that sense. So for me, I focus on the perceptive people, the people who get other people talking. Those guys uh, need to go first. But to win as the werewolf takes a lot more than that. You need to survive the lynching. And to do that, you need to be able to lie. You need to be able to deflect. It's hard to do. Yeah. Especially as the game goes on longer and longer. Because frustration grows on the village. And when you're the werewolf, you're not frustrated. Yeah. So you have to blend into that. So and that brings me to my point. One of the points I made earlier. You need to have an answer to who do you think is suspicious. You need to pretend that you need to find something that a villager is doing that looks suspicious. You need to remember that for when that question comes up. Yeah. So people, it appears that you've been trying to sit it has to figure be good, it out. Though. Yeah. You, you have to, it has to be something good because that person is going to become very suspicious of you if you do that. Right. But you could, you could, you could maybe bring up something someone else brought up earlier. So it exactly. doesn't look like you're the one just right. making stuff up. Right. You're like, well, you know, I kind of agree with him. I noticed blah, blah, blah. I was doing this and. Now, again, I'm not really a great werewolf, but I think effective werewolves are able to blend in by appearing to be a villager in every way, right? including having an idea of who they think is suspicious. Right. And the, and the interesting thing, which we'll get to when we talk about witch hunt, a lot of these strategies are out the door in <laughs> witch hunt because there are, are so many variables in play. Uh, there's more than just a seer. Everybody has a role, and those roles play with each other and, and manipulate the game but that's the beauty of werewolf though it's simple it's annoyingly long at times because you can't reach a consensus but it's it's what makes the game great yeah now i have to talk about a, a an really off the wall strategy that i've seen someone use effectively in a game and win. as a werewolf they outed the other werewolf yeah have you ever seen that that happened to me when i was the werewolf the other guy tried to turn on me okay to give himself credibility and i didn't understand what he was doing i was completely confused yeah and strangely my confusion helped me get out of it because 
there was really no reason he should have done that. There was nothing I was doing to make me seem like the werewolf, and I was able to defuse the mob a little bit. And then afterward, I asked him about that because we won the game, and I asked him, "Why did you try to get me to try to get me lynched? You know, we're we're werewolf brothers." And he explained to me what what you're saying, and that is, if you can if you get the other werewolf lynched, your credibility goes way up. Oh yeah, for the rest of the game. Yep. You you have that. In your belt that you got the other were- other werewolf, people will leave you alone. Yeah. The problem is it's a little selfish. It's totally selfish. Yeah. But I saw a guy do it. And he actually he actually led a vote against the other werewolf and got them killed. And then we we thought that guy was totally clean the whole yeah, game, of course, all the way to the end, and he won as the werewolf. Yeah. I mean, he did this like the second round, so he went through everyone in the whole village. Yeah. But we just from that thing that happened, we just we couldn't make ourselves believe that he was actually a werewolf. Thought crossed our minds, but we couldn't pull the trigger on it, and then yeah. he ended up winning. So something that, that would be hard for me to do. Yeah, to turn on the other werewolf like that, I would feel a strange sense of guilt there. Unless it was know. Dave. Well, of course, <laughs> Dave is the asterisk to all of these. So I think that's. Uh, that's pretty much all I had. Any other werewolf thoughts? No, we've had some good memories with this game. One of the th- great things about Werewolf, it's a, it's a great metagame game. So you can you can have these games in years later. You can still talk about the classics. You know, remember when, this and that. We, we had some, uh, some really fun moments in this game. And um, I think the fact that you have a story to tell afterward makes this game great. Yeah, that, that is one thing I love about this game. You know, I almost at times want to record record the audio of a game, although I know going back it would probably be so boring. Yeah. But it's so fun when you're in the middle of it. And right. then – or just recording the after-game discussion. That almost right. to me is more interesting sometimes because it definitely is a game where you, you definitely – you have a post-game uh, – uh, conversation about it. Yeah, and that's a great segue to Witch Hunt because we had one of the best post-mortem discussions on a game. I, I, was that the game you were not in? I wasn't yeah. in that okay. game. Yeah. It, it was It was. One, I watched it, It was though. an amazing game, and afterward, the metagaming, I've never seen anything like it. We discussed the game afterward for a, a really long time because it was interesting to break down who was doing what and why and what the strategies were. Okay, so let's jump into it. We're going to give you a little preview of the game Witch Hunt. What makes you think she's a witch? Well, she turned me into a newt. A newt. We got better. Better So Witch Hunt is, it has some similar, it's, the the core of the game is really it's a really similar game to Werewolf, but they're taking some of the things about Werewolf that people don't like and they're changing them to make them better or make them different. Specifically, you're not eliminated from the game. Yeah. So let me just quickly list the changes. One change is the the t- the rounds are timed. So in Werewolf, you could talk for an hour before you make a vote. Right. In this game, I think they give you like 10 minutes and it, right. you could adjust the timer to whatever you want. Right. So you, you're you on the shot clock to try to quickly figure out who is a witch and, and, and do a vote. The second is they don't, you don't reveal people's card after they die, which is an interesting twist. Right. So you know, you don't know if you've killed someone good or bad. Third is when you're, when you get killed in this game, you're not eliminated from the game which is probably the number one complaint about Werewolf. 
is right because you're lynched or mauled and you're out of the game exactly so you when you're killed you leave the circle but you become an, an angel or a demon which i'll explain in a minute and you get to keep doing um actions, actions in the game yeah yeah uh another change is if you're the single witch you get to kill two people every night not just one so that's an interesting twist so, but the overall goal is the same. You're trying to, as the witch, the witches, uh, kill all the villagers, and as the villagers kill the witches. So, at the beginning of the game, uh, like Werewolf, everyone gets a card, but everybody's card is special. Now, I do, I know that there are versions of Werewolf where everyone has special cards, but I'm not going to talk about that. We are talking about the basic Werewolf. For Witch Hunt, it is similar to Ultimate Werewolf in that everyone, everyone gets a card. A unique character that has a special power but they also get a card that says if they're a villager or if they're part of the witch coven okay or they're a witch so it's separate you have a, you have a role that's separate from your identity right so there are only two characters that can only be villagers that aren't allowed to be witches every other special character could either be a witch or a villager so the two characters that cannot be a witch are called the holy characters they're the priest and the acolyte and i'm going to just quickly go through the basic um character cards uh just real quick so if you're the priest every night you're like you're like the seer and werewolf every night you get to check if someone is a, a witch and the moderator will tell you thumbs up witch thumbs down not a witch the acolyte the only thing the acolyte knows is who the priest is so the first night of the game the moderator they'll Acolyte put their head up. Moderator will point out who the priest is, so the acolyte knows who the priest is. Right, and the important point with the priest and the acolyte is that with all these roles, you could be any of these roles and be good or bad, but the priest and acolyte are never witches. Right. So it's it's a different dynamic than werewolf in the sense that they're for sure not witches, whereas nobody else is off off the table. Right. So the priest and the acolyte are pretty much like almost like the seer is. In, um, right. in Werewolf. But the rest of these special characters could be bad or good, like Chris said. So the next one is the Survivalist. The Survivalist, you get an extra life. I think, Chris, you were the Survivalist in that one game. Yeah. So if you die, you get an extra life and you get to stay in the game until you're killed again. The Gravedigger. Now, the Gravedigger is actually an important role because remember I mentioned that uh, you don't reveal the cards when someone dies. But the Gravedigger gets to learn, at the start of each night, the cards of anyone who died during the day. So they have more information about who was bad and who was good. And this is important because those people are going to be doing things as angels and demons, which we'll get to. The Judge. The Judge is interesting. Because the, t the rounds are timed, you could actually run out of time, or you can defer to the Judge. What the Judge does is, if you, do if you cannot come to a consensus to... Uh, to lynch someone during the day, everyone puts their heads down, and the judge gets to pick somebody to directly kill. Okay, now remember, this judge could be bad or good. Right. So if they're a witch, you're lo you're definitely losing a villager. Right, and that that's what makes this game explode at this point because you have different strategies for all of these roles based on if you're a witch or not. If you're the judge and you're good, you don't want to use this ability haphazardly. If they can't come to a consensus. You might choose not to kill somebody that night, but if you're a witch judge, mm -hmm. you're going to wield that 
weapon. Right. <laughs> and you're going to start picking people off. Yep. And that's the and this is important to, distinction. That's the day vote. So day vote, you're, right. if you're a judge witch, not only are you killing a, a villager during the day, then you go to the night and then the witches get to kill another villager. Right. So that's a pretty powerful combination. The apprentice, at the start of the game, the apprentice decides judge or gravedigger. Whichever one they choose, the they learn who that character is from the moderator. So if I'm the apprentice, I could say, all right, I want to know who the judge is. And then the moderator will show me who the judge is during the first night. When the judge dies, I become the judge. So another interesting combination would be an apprentice witch. Because you could say, all right, I'm an apprentice witch. I want to know who the gravedigger is. So you find out who the gravedigger is. You kill that person, and you become the gravedigger. Now the now the village doesn't have any information about the people who died. So it's a really interesting combo too. Yeah. Uh, the gambler. At this, I was actually the gambler the first game I played. At the start of the game, you say even or odd, and on the whatever you say. So if I said even on the even nights, I cannot be killed. I'm protected from the kill, which means if they choose me, and then we wake up. I just live. Right. And the way the moderator does this, when the, like even, even for the survivalist, when they have an extra life, they don't explain why you didn't die. Right. If you're lynched by the mob and the, the moderator will just come and say, we have a consensus, you're killing this person, this person does not die. Right. And they don't explain why. Exactly. If, same with if the witches kill you in the middle of the night. The witches have... They'll, they'll, the moderator will come to you and they'll say, you do not die tonight. Right. And it's, 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 it's great because you have no idea. There's a, you don't there's, know why. Yeah, and there's multiple reasons why they couldn't die. Uh, so, and the gambler was interesting. And I'm not going to get into the moderator too much. You have to have a really good moderator for this game. That's right. one thing I'll say. The moderator has to know the game really well. And actually, one problem I had when I was a gambler is the moderator – wasn't saying what night it was even or odd, right? and I, and I couldn't keep track of it. And I, right. I gave them that feedback and then they started doing it. Uh, every night they started saying the number, which, which made yeah, it I way better. I almost think they need a big display. Yeah. Like a, like a widescreen or flat panel somewhere with the time relevant information. And what night it is. Yeah. But th- there's other information they could put them there. True. Too. Like things that are known. Yeah. And that's actually a new thing lately is board games that have, um, you know, an app or something that just kind of helps you facilitate right. the game. Right. That's a new thing. So I could definitely see that with this game. And they already have a moderator app. Right. Uh, but, you know, adding those extra things to it would help a lot. Uh, just a few more here. The Oracle. So this is one that's a little strange. So the Oracle, you learn, basically you learn when the priest or the acolyte were killed. So you don't know who they are at the beginning of the game. I think the way this works is the moderator tells you somehow at the beginning of the game what they're going to say when the priest or acolyte dies. And then when he says that, you know that the priest or acolyte died. Now, I don't. I never had this role in my game. I'm just I'm taking this straight out of the rules because I don't think we used it in our game. Uh, but the bottom line is when the priest or acolyte dies, you know that they're dead. So they, the moderator informs you. Somehow, yeah. yeah. There's some mechanic to figure that out. The Peeping Tom. <laughs> so at the start of the game as a Peeping Tom, you basically just learn that a random player is a standard villager, which means they're either they're not a holy character and they're not a witch. Those are just standard villagers. Uh, so they get to learn one person that's uh, just a regular villager. Regular villager 
they still have a special ability, but they're just not holy and they're not a witch. But the benevolent old dame, so I had this character once too. When you die as a benevolent old dame, you choose another player, and that player gets an extra life. And you do this secretly with the moderator. Okay. I might have that wrong. So that person doesn't know that they're getting the new life. I actually might have that wrong. I'm not sure if it's secret or not. Okay. They might know. I don't remember. I think I use this. I, I don't. I, I think they do know actually. Okay. But you, you're you're giving an extra life to another player. The dirty old bastard. So when you die as a dirty old bastard, you get to just kill another player. Yeah, I had that role once, and it, it's you die and you get to take somebody down with you. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. And then the last one is the hunter. So the way the hunter is described, I don't think we ever use this in a game. Was the first time a player survives a kill. You get to kill somebody the following night. So I think this means if someone survives a kill from having an extra life or, like, let's say the gambler was chosen, well, the first time that happens, the following night, you get to kill someone. That's the hunter. It's an interesting one. I don't know that they threw that one in. Maybe maybe it's a more advanced one. But... Yeah, I don't remember that one. Now, I'm not going to go through these, but there are also eight other bonus characters. Yeah, and I'm sure they're going to come up with... Yeah. You can imagine the way these are. You could right. do this all night and come right. up with new roles. So now that you uh, you kind of understand these roles, th- this is the key component of the game, I think, is when a villager dies, they become an angel, and when a witch dies, they become a demon. And they leave the circle, and then every night, the angels get to do an action... And the demons get to do an action. And these actions are from... They, they do have some choices as to the actions they do. And they have more choices the more nights that pass. So right. the first night, they only have two choices. And then there's uh, there's three more nights in each successive night. A new action will unlock. And they'll have the option of using that or one of the ones they already used. So the basic core actions for the angels is called protection so every night the angels collectively get together they decide who are we going to protect they tell the moderator the moderators and, the, and that that player they selected is protected from being killed by the witches that night okay that's protection the demons uh, basic action is called curse they select a target and whoever they choose is immune to the protection so let's say i was an angel and i chose chris uh, as to protect Chris. But then if the demons uh, were s- somehow perceptive and figured out that you were the person that we might be protecting, they would curse you so the protection wouldn't would be negated. So those are those are the basic abilities. Right. And also the first night um, you get the angels get the option of nemesis. So they select a player in the in the that's still in the game, and they they declare that person as their nemesis. Now they don't know if that player is a witch, or if they're a villager. So they're making a guess here. They think someone is is a witch, and they're selecting that person as a nemesis. If the nemesis is a witch and they're still in the game, the angels get to protect two players every night. So now it's the angels trying to figure out who the witches are, because if they can call one of them out and say that person's a nemesis that person as long as that person's in the game the angels can from that point forward protect two people every night really powerful i think yeah 
Now, the demon's ability, which is my is even more powerful. favorite ability in the whole game. This is the ability that totally hoses your game, and I want you to tell the story about yeah. it. Is the demons get an ability on the first night called Shenanigans, which is a perfect name for it. So they select a tar- they select a player, and if the priest checks that player, so the priest remember is like the seer. If they check that player, the moderator gives them the wrong answer. Right. So it throws off the whole dynamic of the game <laughs> at this point. So the shenanigans is basically uh, perpetuating misinformation in the game. So the priest who you uh, starting to trust at this point is getting wrong intel right. from the moderator because of the shenanigans. And that's what happened in the game we played. It was it was an unbelievable game. It's, it's why I even wanted to highlight Witch Hunt as, a, as a, one of our games to talk about and help these guys promote it because that game was it, it's like one of those memorable things that you'll never you know we, we talked about this game we're still talking about it right. <laughs> so they they were doing these shenanigans on us every night we were picking each other off the good the good guys were all picking each other off we did get one witch there was, but there was one still alive, and we were the good guys were all eating each other, and I was the uh, survivalist that game, and the guy who was the dirty old bastard thought I was a witch, and he was coming after me. He was trying to get the mob against me, and I was able to deflect it, and so you know we we did this or that, and I I was convinced he was a witch mm-hmm. because of the shenanigans, and he was convinced I was. So what happened was he said. Go ahead and vote me out. I'm the dirty old bastard. I'm going to take you with me, witch. <laughs> and, and and I just said, you know, we were going at it for a while. We voted him out, and he told the moderator that he wanted to take me with in in the dead area. And the moderator just said, he doesn't die because I had the extra life. And he lost it, and yeah. everybody in the dead zone, they were like, whoa! Because well, he, he... we were down to like five or so people at this point what was funny is i was talking to the artist the the girl who was the artist and she was like sitting on the side the other side of this banner yeah yeah and he like stormed he, he, out he did he, he and he ran over, over the banner and bowled that girl over <laughs> just like knocked her over oh i didn't know that yeah and then he felt like a like an idiot after that oh that's bad he was really upset he was upset yeah he but the game is full of surprises like this is the bottom line we came down to three people um, you didn't have the assassin highlighted, but the assassin... I think they're one of the bonus the characters. The assassin's ability is if they can correctly identify who you are, like what your role is. For example, if I say Ryan is the oracle, I'm the assassin. I'm assassinating him. The moderator knows if I'm right or not. And if Ryan is the oracle, then he's dead. Okay. If if you're, if you're not the oracle, the, the assassin's, assassin's dead. dead. So we came down to three of us. Me... The assassin, who's who is, he only gets to use that ability once. Okay. And and the witch, those are the three of us left. I was just like a regular person, but they kept trying to kill me, and the angels were protecting me. They didn't know who the other ones were, but they knew that I wasn't a witch. So this guy was telling me, "What is your role? What is your role? What is your role? I'm the assassin. Tell me your role, and I and I'll kill them." Because I can figure it out. And I was trying to think, well, if you're a witch, then if I tell you my role, then I'm going to die. <laughs> and, but he convinced me that he, he, he wasn't a witch. And so I, so I told him my role, and I said, let's just lynch this person. Yeah. Let's just, let's just do a vote because I'm with you. And he, he had completely ignored me. He pointed at the, at the oh girl, and he said, 
she is the whatever, something wrong. He's wrong. And I'm the assassin. And I didn't even understand what just happened. The moderator comes by, reveals the card, and says, no, you're wrong. You're dead. And the witches win. Yeah, because you're tied now, so yeah. you're deadlocked. Um, yeah. All you had to do was just both raise just, your hands and kill her. What are you doing? Because yeah. I, I believed him. Oh, my gosh. So it was, we still would have won even with the shenanigans. Wow. But it was a great game. And these, these night actions that Ryan is referring to where the angels and demons are making decisions that affect the game, it's a little overwhelming because there's so many possibilities to mm-hmm. do, to, they can do. And when you're in the game, you can't maintain all of it. Like you can't think about, well, the angels could be doing the nemesis, the, the demons could be doing shenanigans. You, you're a little bit checked out of them and you're just trying to play the game right because you've got the clock the clock is keeping you kind of focused on one thing and you can't manage all this other stuff and what's great about that is i like in werewolf when the game is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and it gets way more it gets more and more interesting as the game goes on and you have that same exact feeling as the village because the angel demon thing it's almost like a separate game that's happening but they're right. they're impacting your game and helping you, but you still have the exact same feeling that you have in like in a werewolf game, right? Of you're just still trying to figure out who the witches are and get rid of them. You're aware of these other things. I didn't at first like that calling them angels or demons, but it's actually a perfect thing to call them. It's because they're they're influencing what happens without you really knowing what what's going right. on. Right. It's a perfect mechanic. Yeah. For this environment because. It's adding just the right element of uh, mystery right. to to your universe that you're in, and it's hard to express how fun this game is. It really is well done, right. and I I hope these guys get their their funding and and get this game out because people need to be playing it. So real quick, there's two more abilities. So the the night three ability that they get is super protection, where uh, they get to protect someone. The curse won't affect the person they protect, but they can never protect that player again. And the demons get a super curse where they select a player to curse. That character is cursed, uh, but, but they, and they lose any extra lives they have. And then night four, the angels get final protection where they protect two players from the kill. It ignores any curses, but they can never protect anyone ever again. And then the demons get this weird thing called mushroom hunting where they, they give one of the witches this thing called a creepy mushroom. And then that witch can use the mushroom any night they want to make an extra fake kill. So the moderator will just say, okay, this person was killed, but they don't die. Right. You know, it's a fake kill. So it throws everybody off. It throws everyone off because they could either think that, for example, there were two kills, which means, oh, maybe there's only one witch left. Or, you know, it can make the town believe the angels saved that person. Right. And actually, they, they chose a witch. So, you know, every night they're doing the, these special abilities. Now, there is one thing I wanted to say before we close this down. The night is a little long. I think that's the one issue I had, is when you're in the village and you have your heads down, it's pretty long. Like, it's sometimes it's like two or three minutes long. Yeah. And... You know, I think that was probably the number one complaint that people gave them. And I actually had some emails today with the designer, Kyle Brockman, and he said that's the one thing they're trying to streamline. They're they're working really hard to make that faster. I think if they can somehow make that, that whole process quicker, th- this would be the perfect 
game, the perfect game I think the solution to that is the dead people, the angels and demons, are on the exact same shot clock. They have to lock in what they're doing at the end of that shot clock. Yeah. And if they don't have their action ready, they don't get the action. And I think this is where technology will help a lot. Because I think the issue, honestly, wasn't so much the angels and demons taking a long time. It's the moderator keeping track of everything that's happening. You know, honestly, if I could give my opinion, I don't know if these guys are going to listen to this podcast, but I honestly think that they should build an app, a mobile app, that does the moderating. Yeah. You can still have a human moderator, but everybody who's playing the game is required to have the mobile app. Everyone? Yes. Okay. I know it's weird to think of, but it's really not that weird anymore. Okay. Like you said, these apps are are complementing games already. And I think having a restriction like that, the only the only reason that people might be hesitant is if their battery is low. It's not that they don't have a phone mm-hmm. that can run it. I think everybody has these now. If you have an Android uh, or an iPhone or a Windows phone or whatever, and you're, you want to play or your iPad, whatever, you download the app. They program in who you are via some randomization ahead of time. And think about it. Mm-hmm. All the things that you do and you can do, you can do through the app, timed just like One Night Werewolf does, where you go step by step. And if you're an angel or a demon, you have to lock in what you're doing by the time the timer runs down. Yeah. And you could have like a tie-breaking angel, like whoever dies first maybe is the tiebreaker. And then that's what happens. Boom. Everything is done instantly then. Yeah. And you can, you can even if you're the witch who you're lynching, you just pick from the list of people on there that's an interesting idea i think if they if they couldn't do that the if you had a good enough moderator app it could just do everything that's kind of what they do now and they're still a little overwhelmed because i remember she was she had everything plugged in there and it it was there's so many things happening yeah and the the other thing was it was kind of loud and so we couldn't hear her yeah when she was saying okay angels what what is your decision we like you almost need a progress bar in your mind as you're doing your nighttime, when you have your head down and it's two minutes and it's three minutes and it's four minutes, mm-hmm. it's excruciating because you don't know how much longer there is. Right. If you had this built into an app, you could almost be looking at it to see when the nighttime is done. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing would, yeah. would help a lot. I think it's automatable. Yeah. And even, you know, instead of the moderator needing to know if, if the angels just selected something exactly. right on the phone, like, all right protection this player here and they just right. punch it in yeah the moderator is just looking at their yeah. ipad and they see the results yeah. coming in it's a it's interesting i know they already have a moderator app i i haven't looked at it yet i don't know how robust it is i would if i were them i would be bold and just say we, we require you to have a smartphone yeah. or a tablet in order to play this game but it'll be worth it trust us yeah. and just just build it around that and if the if they did it i mean they, i guess the other option could be they could have that available which would make the game like like the enhanced version, or you have the they should standard just go all out and do it. <laughs> I'm not sure if I if I'm on board with that, but I like the idea. It it would it will it a computer is made specifically to solve the problems that they have with the game. Yeah. Well, um, you know, if you can't tell already, we we loved this game just from the few times we played it. I mean, if honestly, next year Gen Con, if these guys are there, I'm probably playing this. Yep. I mean, I'll probably do at least one game of Werewolf of because Werewolf is like a staple. But this is like Werewolf on steroids. Yeah. And Werewolf on steroids with no bad, no uh, negative impact right. or no uh, negative. Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Right. 
downside. There's no downside. <laughs> no downside. The, like, the only downside is how long it takes them to explain the game to people. But I think that's going to get easier as they flush out some of the mechanics. And of course, if they use my idea <laughs> and they put it in an app, then it becomes a lot easier. Then. Yep. Uh, so they're planning from from according to the emails, they're planning a Kickstarter early next year. So keep your eye out for that. Uh, you can actually go download the rules and a print and play of this game right now. The website is <laughs> http chocolatepie.net, and that's spelled c chocolate pi dot net. Yeah. Um, so you can go there, uh, download the rules, and read about it. it it's it's great. I, I when I was reading through today, I, I got so excited about man. I can't wait to play this again. Yeah. So I think that's it for episode four. So uh, Chris, what's our website? Our website is outofgamepodcast.com. That's outofgamepodcast.com. Yep, you can go there, and um, if you don't want to listen to everything else I'm about to say, just go there, and there's links to all this stuff there. Uh, but you can find us on iTunes or Stitcher by searching for Out of Game. Uh, what's our Twitter feed? Twitter feed is at OOG Podcast. All right, and you can find us on Facebook at OOG Podcast. Again, if you could go join our BGG Guild. Guild 1990, boardgamegeek.com slash guild slash 1990. Uh, we would love to get in the top half of board game podcasts as far as member count on the Board Game Geek Guild, which is obviously the most important statistic. Oh, yeah. I mean, what could compete with that? Nothing. And then you can email us a question that we'll answer on the show. At uh, email addresses outofgamepodcast at gmail.com. That's right. And remember, we may or may not have a contest of sorts coming there may or may not be prizes may or may awards. not may or may not you know we might bribe you we might not we might resort to bribery so <laughs> fair warning we have to do what we can all right we appreciate you guys listening and we'll see you out of game good night cute rob's up <laughs> <laughs>